This episode is proudly sponsored by The Helix, a new innovation district located in New Brunswick, New Jersey, the heart of the Northeast Corridor. The Helix provides a critical ecosystem for innovation by offering a range of physical environments, a vibrant community of leading innovators, and a strategic central location on the Northeast Corridor. The Helix will uniquely mix workspaces, classrooms, laboratories, venues, and collaborative environments creating a dynamic community and setting for innovative minds. Universities, startups, Fortune 500 companies, entrepreneurs, researchers, and many others will all call the Helix home. Thus far, the Helix has assembled a community of innovative private and public organizations, such as Rutgers Health, the New Jersey Innovation Hub, RWJ Barnabas Health, Hackensack Meridian Health, universities from Ireland and Israel, and others. The Helix is where ideas will come to life. To learn more, visit helixnj.com. From nj.com and the Star Ledger, welcome to the Rutgers Rant, your one-stop podcast for the Scarlet Knights, with your hosts, Steve Politi and Rutgers insiders Brian Fonseca and Pat Lenny. Let's start shopping. All right, hello everybody, welcome back to the Rant. It's just Politi and Fonseca today because because you can't spell paternity leave without Pat. Big news on the front. Newcomer to the Rutgers Rant family, little EJ, eight pounds, three ounces, I think I saw. Pat's, Pat and Candace are doing great. Baby's doing great. We couldn't be happy happier for you, Pat. Enjoy your time off. Yeah, growing family. How about that, Brian? Good stuff, right? Yeah, always, always lovely to see. And it, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that I believe that the Rutgers basketball team is undefeated since little EJ has come out. Wow. So people keep talking about little Jeremiah Williams. How about the little EJ, a little good luck charm for the Rutgers basketball team? There you team. go. That must be it. He's the charm. And you're right. And there you go. I mean, look at that. Three straight for the Rutgers basketball team beat Wisconsin, which I think was the moment for me. I don't know about you. Like, yeah, all right. So you win the first game, you beat Michigan, come from behind. That's that was a that was a big win. Obviously, you never won there before. So that was a big deal, but still felt a little fluky. I'll, you know, you come from behind against a team that's in the last place. Go to the road and win win at Maryland, but still one of those slugfest defensive games. You're like, okay, well, this is you know, this is how they used to win. It's still really tight margin there. Wisconsin to me is a different story. They look like you know, if they hit shots like that, if they if they shoot that well, they can score in the 70s, they will beat everybody. That's kind of how I felt about watching that game. Just a different layer for this team, different gear. I don't know. I mean, is it is it a one-game thing, or are we seeing a team that, you know, just found a new lineup and is coming into its own? Which one do you think it is? So I highly doubt that Rutgers is going to shoot 58% on threes at a high volume for the rest of the season. Um, I mentioned this stat to you before. They've hit double-digit threes in three games now this year. The first two times, they followed them up with four straight games of shooting 25% or less, right? So I just don't think that three-point shooting is going to be a sustainable model for Rutgers to keep winning games. But what I will say is that what Jeremiah Williams has done for this team, intangibly increasing the confidence, increasing the joy. I don't know if you can really measure that, but just the way they play just looks different in the three games since he's been back. Um, And tangibly, their defense that was already really good got even better. In fairness, they did play against one of the worst offenses in the Big Ten against Maryland. But Wisconsin was really good, good outside shooting team, and they looked completely out of ideas against Rutgers. Rutgers suffocated them completely, destroyed them. Record-setting win, 22 points against the ranked team, highest margin victory over a ranked team in program history. Again, the threes do help. But I think think anyone that's watched 10 minutes of this team with Jeremiah Williams can tell that it's a much different team than it was two weeks ago. 
two things that I, I observe that if you're a Rutgers fan, you have to be just crying over and enjoy. 10 for 10 from the free throw line, which I did not know about Jeremiah Moyes. I don't know if that is his, if he's that good of a free throw shooter, or if he's just on a roll, whatever it is that, that, I mean, a six to six against Wisconsin and then seven assists to one turnover against Wisconsin. That's something they didn't have. They didn't have a guy who could distribute. I mean, we talked about it a million times. Some of the, some of the turnover numbers for this team earlier in the season, you know, you're getting, you're getting just a handful of game for the entire team, you know, to see someone who's going to have his ball in his balls in his hand, the entire game, 27 minutes uh, against Wisconsin, seven turnovers, six, five rebounds. Uh, yeah, Big Ten Player of the Week for a reason. Yeah, uh, he that was his forte. What, his two fortes were what he adds on the defensive end with his length, which is something that Rutgers did not have this season in the backcourt, and what he adds as a playmaker. He had a really high assist rate his two years at Temple. I think he's at a 30% assist rate through three games. The big thing to me is that in the first half against Wisconsin alone, he had five assists to Cliff. Like that is something that yes. Cliff has not had all season that we've talked about ad nauseum, oh. and and now it's allowing him to kind of, you know, find space, score, and play some of his best basketball of the year. Speaking of like a pace you probably can't expect to continue the whole season, you're right. He's eight of eight on free throws. He's two of three on threes. This is a guy who's a career twenty six percent three point shooter. I don't expect him to shoot sixty six percent on threes through the rest of the year, but. When this is the first time he's played basketball in a competitive environment for 709 days, I think you wow. take every bit of luck you can get and you kind of ride the wave of momentum. Um, absolutely deserves to be the Big Ten Player of the Week. Third player in program history to do so alongside Cam Spencer and Geo Baker. Only the second to win it individually. Cam Spencer was a co-player of the week last year. I know we talked about him being a good addition if he ever played. I don't think anybody could have seen them playing this much better with him on the floor. Ron Harper Jr. wasn't the Big Ten player the week the week they beat Purdue. Is that right? Huh. <laughs> okay. Hey, how about that? I'm surprised that that wasn't a big deal on this podcast. Anyway, yeah, you're absolutely right. I, and I, people, you know, people are like, oh, you guys, did, how, how did you, you didn't know this team would be better with, well, we thought it would be better with Jeremiah Williams. We didn't know. And we heard, believe me, we all heard he's the best guard. He's the best guard in practice. But yeah, I mean, certainly uh, the transformation so far has been really good. I believe I said He's be, he'd be a good addition. He would add to this team. I don't know if he would turn the season around. Three games in, I've been proven wrong, and Rutgers will hope that I'll be proven wrong for the last eight games of the year. Well, that's at least you. Were, the fact that we're having a conversation, which I couldn't have possibly imagined two weeks ago myself, and this is what this is where I was wrong. I thought, and I I, I thought that Steve Peichel should just start playing for next year after the Penn State game. And I just you know, all right, let's go full. You figure out figure out who's going to be on this team next year. Uh, that was certainly wrong. Uh, that's why he's paid the big bucks. He's the coach. And the fact that we're discussing this and the fact we're having a conversation about the NCAAs, again, we're a mile away, right? That's the sense. And you, you did a really good story breaking down the chances. But, you know, this is not just the this is not just the dumb and dumber gif here, a meme here. You, they actually have a chance, right? I mean, you've looked at it. It's not beyond the realm of, you know, it's not impossible. I would have said it was there was a zero percent chance two weeks ago, and now I'd say there's probably you know a five percent chance, which again is infinitely higher than before. If you said two weeks ago Rutgers had to go ten and one in its last eleven games to go to the NCAA tournament, you think I'd be crazy to think that's even possible. Now they probably have to go seven and one through the end of the year. Again, highly unlikely, but possible. And you could probably change that to six and two if. They have three big road games left. Wisconsin, Nebraska, and Purdue. You have to win either two of them against Wisconsin and Nebraska, or if you're able to steal a win at Purdue for a second year in a row, that is a huge feather in your cap. 
that can kind of boost you up. Uh, Brad Wachtel, local bra bracketologist extraordinaire, his opinion is that if Rutgers wins the next three games versus Northwestern at Minnesota, at Purdue, they would be in the field. And obviously you can fall out of the field from there with five more games left, but for Rutgers to go, again, completely out of even NIT bracketology to in the field if they win their next three games yeah, is that's amazing. unbelievable. Right, right. The problem is, and this obviously, you know, it, it, they could go six and two. And if it's the wrong two, I still think they're on the outside looking in. If you lose to at Purdue and you lose at Wisconsin, then you will end the season with what could be zero Q1 quad one wins, right? I mean, could be one quad one win, but there's some quad. Seton Hall is no longer a quad one win, and Wisconsin looks like it is dangling. I mean, you know, the way they're playing, that could be that could be a quad two win too. Uh, I don't think that there's any chance they get in if they don't have at least a couple quality wins here, and they only have a couple chances. Yes, that that that's the one major thing missing from the resume. You're right that Seton Hall's slipping just got annihilated by Villanova on Super Bowl Sunday. They fell out of Q1 range. They could obviously come back up. Wisconsin is kind of teetering there. You need to win, like I said, at least two of those big road win road games. Ideally, one of them is Purdue because that makes a, it, it, it. There's a big difference between a quad one win and a quad one A win, which is the top tier of the quad one wins. And Purdue would be as close to the best win in the country as possible. The opposite is also true that you can't afford to lose any more quad three games. You already right. have that 15 point loss to Penn State, and you have games against Michigan, which is the worst team in the Big Ten. And you have a home game against Maryland, which is teetering on quad three range, as well as Ohio State, which is also teetering on quad three range. You have to win those three games and ideally win them by a lot, win them by, you know, 15, 20 points. Because if you lose one, then you have two bad losses and you really have to make up for it with two or three really good wins. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The other the other part of this is even NIT. I think I think fans probably would have signed for NIT. Um when they lost to Penn State. And I think this that is very much in the conversation, number one. And the other part of this is, you know, we're looking, I've been looking at the bracket. There are a lot of bad teams on the bottom of these brackets. Like, I feel like, you know, you're not going to have to do much. You, you just call some attention to yourself. And I do wonder, you know, again, with the selection committee, it certainly did not take a lot of things into account um, that were important to Rutgers last year. Uh, so maybe that maybe we're just reading too much into it, but I do wonder if they'll say, "Oh, this is a better team with Jeremiah Williams." You know, let's consider that. Uh, maybe. What did Brad say? Did he ask him that question? Brad feels confident that that would be the case. I tend to think this is just my personal opinion, but the NCAA got some heat from the Rutgers end and some college basketball people about that reasoning last year with Mag. This is an opportunity to quote unquote right a wrong. I think Rutgers fans have been very vocal about saying this <laughs> should be in consideration. Uh, understandably so. Uh, I think if they finish the regular season 11 and one after Jeremiah Williams became eligible, it's almost impossible. Of course. Not right. Put that into account, right? right. Um, but I, I then think they would deserve they, by metrics. They would deserve it. Forget just, yeah. I mean, they would be in regardless. Sure. I, I just think we're counting our chickens before they hatch here. They should probably yes. try to go four and oh before we start talking about 11 and one, right? Right. The, yeah. And, and this is when, and this some, a couple of readers pointed this out, and it's a really good observation. Like, I wonder now, all right, so Jeremiah Williams has been out there three games. You know, there's just there's, there's a week off here. Coaches are good at this. You know, I wonder if, if Chris Collins now says, all right, well, we're going to game plan for Jeremiah Williams. Like, has that started to happen yet to the point where, you know, their teams are going to defend Rutgers differently? There are good defensive teams on the schedule, as you mentioned, that, that are still coming up. I do wonder about that. Like, is this, is this where we start to see some pushback on the Jeremiah Williams narrative? 
It's an absolutely great point. And I think te- coaches talk about scouting opponent teams all the time. Kevin Willard said that this team with Jeremiah Williams, he changes the dynamic of this team. But for Kevin Willard, he was the second team to, he was the second game. Jeremiah Williams came back. You don't have a, one game is not enough right. film to kind of make, see the nuances and the differences. I think uh, by the time you get to Purdue, that's game six. I think Matt Painter will have a pretty good game plan, good scout against that. So uh, certainly I think the, um, the new shine effect could start to wear off soon. And that's where you kind of see what Steve Peichel and Jeremiah Williams can do without having that, um, that advantage. Yeah, for me, for me, that's it. It comes down to Purdue. Like, well, we can talk about it now this week. But if they go out and they beat, they win at West Lafayette and don't have that bad loss, then yeah. I mean, I think I think we're talking about this as a tournament team. Purdue, everyone's kind of waiting for that, for that to thin the slip up. They're not as good as the rec. 22 and 2. I mean, they're crushing teams. They just destroyed Indiana, you know, 105 points against Northwestern. It was an overtime game. I mean, they're you know they're uh, they're every bit the best team in the country, I think, or one of the best one of the best three best teams in the country. But Rutgers has won there, so I mean, I don't know. Does history matter in this scenario? I think. I just think Zach Eady's the best player in the country. Braden Smith is, if not the best point guard in the Big Ten, one of them. Mackey Arena is almost impossible to win at. And look, as good as Rutgers has been playing the past week, this roster is not as talented as last year's roster, right? Like. I, I just don't know if they have the horses to win at Mackey, especially now that Purdue is a better version of what it was last year. I, right. Which again, if they, which makes it that if they do win, it makes it that much more impressive and that much more valuable of a win. Um, again, I think we should think more about Northwestern and Minnesota before jumping ahead to Purdue. But I agree that if you win that game, the entire complexion of the season changes. Road trip to West Lafayette. One of the two campuses in the Big Ten I haven't been to. Well, Let's do it. Northwestern. Well, I've been to. I shouldn't say that. I have not been to the Northwestern athletic facilities. I've been obviously to Northwestern, Chicago, the city, but I've not been to any of the stadium, stadiums, arenas there. So, what about the new? Uh, what about the new Big Ten places? The UCLA, USC, Oregon, Washington. Uh, UCLA, yes. USC, yes. Oregon, no. Washington, yes. So there you go. All right, we'll come back. We got a bunch of questions from insiders about. Uh, the basketball team, but let's just talk football for a minute because I was at the Super Bowl and it was another another Rutgers championship. Although I will say, it certainly did in the first first half of the game, it certainly didn't look like this was going to be a happy moment for Rutgers football. Um, Isaiah Pacheco had a big fumble uh, with with the Kansas City Chiefs driving toward the end zone. Uh, that the fumble will go down in history because it led to one of the greatest sideline moments in Super Bowl history and one of the greatest memes in the world now with Travis Kelsey losing his you-know-what on Andy Reid. The only thing, of course, come home, the only thing that my wife and kids were talking about other than the halftime show and Taylor's, Taylor was, of course, that moment. Like, what what, ha- what happened there? And I think she tried to explain it. Well, he was mad because he wasn't in the game and the backup tight end missed the block, which led to the tackle, which led to the fumble. You could sit there, eyes just, eyes just glazing over, like, oh, what? Um, so, yeah, but still, clearly, that you know, that was a big moment. Fumbled another ball uh, that's to start a bad pitch, but one you probably should have caught uh, to start the second half. Stopped on third and one twice, which is kind of got overlooked. But, you know, both of those, one of them, the Chiefs had to punt deep in their own territory. Um, that was a huge play. But, and this is what I think was the, the the cool part of this for Rutgers. You talk to him afterward and like, look, I, I've, I mean, I've handled adversity. 
And it's not just in his life, which we've told, we know the story, what uh, Isaiah Pacheco overcame in Vineland, New Jersey, but at Rutgers too. Like, I think he learned something from being in this program and learned how to accept defeat and to deal with adversity in a way that I don't know, like does a kid out of Ohio state have the same, have the same experience set. I think it makes part of what makes him a really good NFL player. And I read Brian, I don't know if this is true, but I read somewhere that he now has, he's the first rookie running back to win a Super Bowl in his first two years. Like for, I'm sorry, first running back to win a Super Bowl in the first two years. Is that true? As a starting running back, I believe. As a starting running back. Yeah. That's, that's pretty amazing. Right. right. Isaiah Pacheco has never lost an NFL playoff game. Yeah. Wow. I Not mean, bad. It's, 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 it, it pays off to play with arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. I don't know if we're ready to start that conversation yet, but Patrick uh, Mahomes people, is... Believe me, people, are start, people have started it. Whether or not you're ready for it, it started. I hear you. Um, and, uh, uh, one interesting thing about that fumble, it was caused by former Rutgers star Logan Ryan, a little Rutgers on Rutgers crime. Uh, that might right. be a Super Bowl first, right? I don't know if that's ever happened before. Yeah. Uh, I, I have no idea. Great question. I don't know. I'll, I'll look that up later. But uh, yeah, I... Uh, it, it is you had a great story early in the week about Logan Ryan and Sebastian Joseph Day. They're kind of different but similar paths to the 49ers. Logan Ryan was on the a cruise ship in the Bahamas, right? Uh yeah. Hanging yeah. out with his family. And then Sebastian Joseph Day obviously got cut from the Chargers after they fired their head coach. Um, and those guys, you know, they made it to a Super Bowl and they came close. And unfortunately, the Kyle Shanahan curse of blowing a lead in a big game came back <laughs> and reared its head, and they ended up not winning the Super Bowl, but yeah, happy for Pacheco. Would I think he would have been sick with himself after the game had they lost with those mistakes. It's always more fun to correct them in a win than a loss. And I just yeah. my only the only shame I think is that while McCole Harmon scoring the game winning touchdown is a nice story, it would have been really nice if Isaiah Pacheco would have ran in the game winning touchdown, especially because I had Pacheco anytime touchdown and it did not. <laughs> now we know the real. Now we know the real motivation there. Uh, that's great. Um, yeah, no, it, uh, that would have been a nice story. I don't think he cares after the game wrapped in a, a Puerto Rican flag with a cigar that was like the size of a baseball bat, just having a great time and dancing on the field. And this is, you know, this is part of that. I don't know. He's just, he, he he's, he's a good dude. Went out in the field, uh, was dancing and signing autographs after the game, which I don't think a lot of, a lot of guys do, but he was out there, um, on the, on the field hanging with fans. Um, yeah. So, I mean, just think about that pro pro career. And I do think if he stays healthy and I don't know what the next, you know, the whole deal with the next contract and obviously the chiefs spend a lot of money on a couple of players. And one of them certainly deserves every freaking penny. I don't know what happens with the next contract. If Pacheco is going to have to find a better deal someplace else to continue. Uh, he's not there yet. I think he's got, you know, another couple of years where he's got to reach that point, but still, you know, you wonder how, how much he can do, um, with this team. Yeah. It's uh it, it is the next NFL dynasty. That is for sure. Yeah. If you ask our friend, uh, Ryan Dunleavy, former colleague, uh, he should get $20 million a year uh, to play <laughs> next to Patrick Mahomes. That's and- right. Yeah, because having Christian McCaffrey, the highest paid running back really made a big difference for, uh, the 49ers in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Hopefully Ryan is see. listening to this and he texts us about it. Um, another thing I, I I'm curious about, cause you've been with Pacheco at two Super Bowls now, you covered him at Rutgers. It seems like from watching his interviews on TV, he's much more polished of an interviewer, just like is more confident in that setting. I'm wondering if you've uh, felt similarly talking to him the last couple of years. Yes, absolutely. He's come out of his shell a little bit, I, you know, and I don't want to, I, I remember, you know, just the first Super Bowl, um, you know, just that sense of like, well, gee, this is not the, this is not the same guy who was at Rutgers. And uh, it was the same guy. I just think of, you know, Rutgers, they're just kind of taught to be very cautious and be, you know, to, we're here for the team, all that stuff. 
Um, little different when you're with the Kansas City Chiefs and you've got Travis Kelsey and you've got these guys setting this example where, hey, look, this is my personality. I'm going to, I'm going to show it to the world. He was not just good on Super Bowl Media Day. He was great on Super Bowl Media Day. Jimmy Gill for Rutgers was there with his camera crew to kind of film the moments. I mean, he called up, and this is my favorite moment of the week. He, you know, he sees the Blue Man crew as they're wandering through the crowd, and he goes, Blues, and these three guys from the Blue Man crew get up there on, on the dais with them, and they're posing for photos. And then it's just part of the shtick for the Blue Men. They just didn't leave. And so Pacheco, I don't know if he was like legitimately getting okay, what, what happens now? But he's just like, like I'm scared. He grabs the microphone with both hands and says, I'm scared. <laughs> it was just really funny. Um, so there were a lot of moments like that where he, you know, and he had the, you know, after, after Mahomes and um, and Kelsey, which of course were 90% of the cameras at all times, uh, Mahomes probably uh, is less than Kelsey, Kelsey probably 60%, just to ask questions about Taylor Swift. But he had the, he probably the third highest, uh, you know, media contingent there people wanted to talk to him so yeah absolutely he's he, he's he's got it uh people have realized that you know he's the kind of guy who brings personality and he's interesting and he's funny and that doesn't hurt right in this day and age absolutely every time isaiah pacheco gets a carry in the super bowl it's great advertising for ruckers and uh ruckers has rightfully squeezed every drop out of that bottle that they yes, could they as they should. I think it's um it's great marketing, and I'm sure every coach on the staff is telling every recruit to tune into the Super Bowl and hear this guy played for us. We can do that for you. Uh, it's great. It's a great opportunity for Rutgers. And I guess before we get off this topic, uh, anything fun happened in Las Vegas? First Super Bowl in Las Vegas got to be a, a bit of a chaotic scene, I imagine. It was, yeah. I mean, that's the best way you could describe it. It it was chaotic. Uh, Vegas, like everything else, sort of swallowed the Super Bowl. I don't know. I mean, it's just it's such a just big place, but. You know, just seeing the fans wandering around, just the, the atmosphere. We were staying at the Luxor, which wasn't, you know, not the greatest hotel on the Strip, but it was sort of, uh, you know, near the Mandalay Bay, which is where all the action was. A lot of walking everywhere. You know, my favorite moment was I did have to, I had to go downstairs. Obviously, didn't get the Big Ten Network in my Vegas hotel room, so I went downstairs to the Mandalay Bay Sportsbook big screen to watch. Uh, Rutgers, Wisconsin. So it's you know, I mean, I hadn't had breakfast yet. It's nine o'clock in the morning, and there are four Wisconsin fans, women um, next to me who were, I mean, they must've plowed through about 20 course light during this game. And they just get increasingly angry at it. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was, I was <laughs> we were just kind of amused by it, watching it. And at one point, uh, you know, it's this good. I'm like, no, ma'am, this is their best game of the year. I don't want to disappoint you on that. And they were, yeah. So it was kind of funny to, uh, to see, I wondered what happened to them during the rest of the day. If you hit it that hard in Vegas at 9 a.m., man, that's you better be ready to take a nap to, to get to get to the rest of that. Or maybe they're just, hey, maybe it's Wisconsin fans. If you went to Wisconsin, if you saw a game up there, I mean, you know these people, um, they tailgate. They're they're you know they can they can pack some beers. So maybe they, that's just the way of life. I don't know. Isn't Wisconsin the state that with like the highest amount of alcohol drinking per capita or something like that i could yeah i think you're right about that yeah, yeah. so it just makes sense and in their defense it's 11 a.m back home so it's a little it's a little you know a little later yeah. um this, yeah this could just be this could just be a normal weekend for them well how should i judge i have no idea I, all i'm saying is that uh any Rutgers fans uh questioning your dedication you're up at 9 a.m in vegas watching Rutgers basketball on a saturday instead of spending some money on the blackjack table like you should so yeah that was already I was already tapped out at that point. Like by Tuesday at like Tuesday afternoon, I was like, all right, that's it. Yeah, let's call it. <laughs> we're calling what they say in the, in the White House. We're calling it. We're calling it. Uh, yeah. So, but good week in Vegas. Yeah. I'd have it back there again next year in New Orleans. 
I make it to that one, that's a pretty good city too. Experience the Heldred's Hotel, a luxury hotel that's perfect for both the business and leisure traveler. Ideally located within minutes of Rutgers University, the Heldrich is convenient to all the action and activities at SHI Stadium, Jersey Mike's Arena, and the Rutgers University campus. The moment you walk through the doors of the Heldrich Hotel and Conference Center, you know you're someplace different. A place with an independent spirit and a boutique vibe. A place where you can immerse yourself in your meeting or event as easily as you can the local culture. Located in the heart of the city, the Heldrich lets you experience all that New Brunswick has to offer. Whether you're coming to New Brunswick for a fun weekend with friends, in town for a Scarlet Knights game, or attending a business meeting, book your accommodations today at theheldrich.com. All right, I want to do some uh, insider questions. We got, a, we got a bunch of them at the last minute. Uh, most of them are of the same variety, which is wondering, will they? Do you think Rutgers will make the NCAA tournament this year? And if not, do you think that they can go far in the NIT? That's from Rocco. Is six and two realistic in the last eight if we stay healthy? Uh, that's another one. The Big Ten Network, I guess, said that six and two is a real possibility, which would put them at 19 and 12, 11 and nine. Is that good enough? All right. So what do you think on those on those three general directions here? I'd set the odds on Rutgers making the NCAA tournament right now at like plus 10,000, plus 25,000. Like, wait, your $100 is getting you 10,000? No, you can't put it that high. It's too little. It's too high. No, I you mean agree. plus one hundred. You mean like plus one hundred, right? Wait, what is it? No, plus I, a thousand. I mean, I mean, no, I mean plus ten thousand, plus twenty five thousand. You think a hundred dollar bet should get you ten? Wouldn't that be ten thousand dollars? Is that what yes. that means? Yes. Okay. Wow. Well, that's yeah. I would make that bet. Holy crap! You think Rutgers has? A, I mean, it's just a lot to ask to win seven of your last eight games or to upset Purdue and not lose other. Games, you know, I think they have a 10% chance. So if it's 10% chance, it'd be plus 1,000, not 10,000. That's way so. too high. 10% chance is way too high. No. Okay. I, I Look, I, I appreciate the optimism, everyone getting swept in. The fun, it just, it's just, they beat the They've last They've got to win game. one. This, not, way too high. They've got to win one, dif, two difficult road games, and then it's a conversation, right? I mean. Look, they beat. Again, just to play devil's advocate, they beat the worst team in the Big Ten that notoriously choked second half leads. They I didn't won- say that a fifty percent chance. I had a ten percent. That's not a that's not a big odds. It's astronomical. Anyway, six and two depends what kind of six and two. If the six and two includes wins against every quote unquote bad team, every quad three game, if it includes two road wins against any of Nebraska, Wisconsin, and Purdue, I would say that might be enough. Might. Um, the only thing I am certain of Rutgers making the NCAA tournament is if they win seven of their last eight games, including Purdue, or they just run the table and win their last eight games, or they win the Big Ten tournament. Uh, I am very confident they'll make the NIT. Like I, At this point, I would be surprised if they miss it. They, they're in good position to make it. And if they do make it, uh, to Rocco's question, this is a bit of a different situation than last year where they fell into the NIT. They were disappointed right. to miss the NCAA tournament. It felt like they were kind of just playing out the string. This year, it feels like these guys will feel like they earned a spot there. They'll be juiced up to play more games together. A season with new life that looked dead a month before it. I think it would be a completely different circumstance. And because of that, the way they'd be playing leading into it, I think they'd certainly have a chance to make a, a deep run. And- All right. Um, this team looked like they were having fun during the Wisconsin game. Any thoughts? I think that is, I mean, when you're hitting shots, they're hitting shots, especially, and I do think that, you know, when, like Noah Fernandes going four for four and having the game he had given some adversity that he's had, I think that made it 
extra enjoyment uh, by, by all accounts. Uh, he's a very popular player in the team. So I think when you saw the reaction at the end of that game, that's, that's partly to do with it. Am I right? I wasn't, I wasn't there, obviously. Yeah, it's just kind of a perfect storm of everything going together. Steve Puggles made this point a couple times. This team is a bit quiet this year as opposed to past years. You know, not Geo Baker, Ron Harper, Caleb McConnell. These guys were vocal leaders. Uh, the leaders of this team are not as vocal. And Jeremiah Williams adds a very strong personality to that group that it's been missing. You look at him anytime, whether he's playing, whether it's warmups, whether it's shoot around. Anytime I look at the guy, he's smiling ear to ear. He looks like he's just yeah. so happy to be there. And I think that's infectious. And it's especially infectious when, like you said, all the shots are going down. Noah Fernandes hit two threes from you know the other side of campus. It, it just felt like everything was going right. I asked Steve Pico this, right? It feels like after a year of everything essentially going wrong, you miss the NCAA tournament, your two best players transfer out at the last second, you start off you know 10 and 10, you're going to miss the, the postseason. Every, just one of the worst offenses in high major basketball. Everything is snowballing bad. In the past two weeks, it's felt like the complete opposite where everything has gone right. And when that happens, you tend to feel like everyone is having more fun than when you're losing games, right? Absolutely. There's no question this team looks like it's having a blast. Uh, all right, because um, it's, uh, you know, next year is next year. We've got a bunch of questions on next year. Uh, if the rumors were true that, and Paul McKay got a big bunch of money, we don't know exactly what that number is, to leave Rutgers, will it take even more to retain Jeremiah Williams next year? RD wants to know. And of course, at what point does Rutgers become a farm team to other schools unless the NIL situation changes quickly? Uh, Art, danger question. I don't know, but he would have to sit out again if he transfers. Am I wrong about that? So he's in his fourth year of college, and I don't have his transcript in front of me. But if he were to graduate this year, uh, right. he could do it. Now, I don't yeah. think it's likely because, he, again, he's on his third school in four years. Right. That's, I don't know how the credits transfer might be a bit of a difficult situation. And I don't think he'd want to leave, right? Yeah, why I would think... he leave? I, it's a great question. I, I don't could start with a team with Dylan Harper and 800 NBA scouts every night with Ace Bailey. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Well, more than that, just like he just, he he's had so much transition and change and turmoil. He's had, again, this is his third school. He's gone through an, an Achilles injury. He's moved so many times. He's gone through so much just to get back on the court. Uh, Rutgers is a school that gave him a chance. At a tough time, right, when schools were kind of repelled because of the gambling situation and the two-time transfer rule, Rutgers took him in. Rutgers has worked with him in the past year. They've rehabbed him. Uh, he, it seems like he really likes his coaches, likes his teammates, likes being at Rutgers. I just think that would be even more of a shock if he left because it, it doesn't even really make sense. If we're, I understand the paranoia. To me, I, I just – it wouldn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I agree totally. Uh, we, get the, uh, get the, we get two questions every week, the cliff – question and the jacob allen question which are hilarious and, and two two guys <laughs> that couldn't be more different we'll get asked about every week um jacob allen's hurt so we'll just that should yeah cliff on the other hand i i believe i know the belief is that cliff does not return next year playing with someone like williams surely has given him a glimpse of how next year could be for him is it crazy to think he comes back uh for a potential program changing run <laughs> If you if you gave me five uh, percent odds on Rutgers making an instantly tournament, what what odds are you giving me on Cliff returning at this point? Look, all signs have been that he is not coming back next year. He told you as much before the season. It seems like that's just kind of been the direction this has been going, right? Even when he announced he was coming back for this year, he called it one more. Uh, and I just I, I understand the question. I understand it. it looks like he's having more fun. It looks like he's playing his best basketball. You know, he's going to turn, what, 23, 24 this year. His right. dream is to make it to the NBA, play professional basketball. 
when it comes to that, every year you don't, the older you are, the less chance you have, right? Um, I, look, I, I don't think it's impossible, right? Like, I, I, I'm I, not in his head. I don't know. We'll ask him definitively towards the end of the year. I would right. probably give you similar 5% odds, right? Like, it would just be a massive reversal from everything that he, we've been hearing for the past year. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna give a free idea to the Rutgers fan base. Why doesn't one of you make him an offer? <laughs> I mean, seriously. Well, let's get Clint back. Maybe. Oh, okay, absolutely. How about five hundred grand? Oh yeah. You know what? If someone could tell me that, like, what would Cliff come back for five hundred grand? Well, I don't think he's gonna make the NBA. So the options are playing overseas for less than that. Yeah, I think he'd come back. Right? Why not? I mean, why not get? If you have a company, he's great, right? You know, he'd be a he'd be a great pitch man for your yogurt shop or for your uh, for your restaurant. I don't know what can he do for, you know, he can say. I bet you this. I mean, Chris Paladino, Cliff saying the helix is coming would be pretty funny, right? That would be great. That could replace me as the helix unofficial helix is coming guy. You make like right? a little little CGI with him next to the building. Like, look how big the helix is. It's almost as tall as Cliff Omori. <laughs> That's a great idea. We should we we should open a marketing NIL marketing company, right? Let's, let's enough with this journalism thing. AI is going to replace us in a couple of years anyway. It'd be great. That's a good idea, right? I think that's it. If if someone could tell me that there's a, there's, there is a movement afoot to pay Cliff what a center for a national championship contender is worth in college basketball, then yeah, I think there's a chance he'd come back. Until then, I really don't know. I mean, he said he was, he was adamantly against it at the end of when I talked to him in September, I think he probably saw what happened early in the year. I don't know. I just don't. I think he's ready to move on. But certainly that was his best game by far. And you're right. Jeremiah Williams has, has changed the dynamic for him. I'm going to raise it from 2% to 10%. Nothing might come back. But still, I think it's unlikely. All right. So we had a bunch of questions about Frank from Hillsborough wants to know if there's any early rumors about people transferring. And along those lines, Another question, who are the protected starters next year? Let's assume Cliff doesn't come back. So address those two at the same time. Right. So speculating on who's leaving and who's not is not great, but it's probably just part of the way college sports are these days. Uh, I think if you look at the minutes distribution, uh, so the writing is on the wall for a few guys. I think Antonio Troll is not going to get any playing time next year because he got no playing time this year. So I think if he wants to play, he's probably have to go somewhere else. Uh, Wolfolk's situation is interesting. He's played little to no minutes since uh, Emmanuel Ogbele became eligible, or sorry, since he recovered from injury. So I wonder what his kind of situation is. Um, I think even if Cliff does leave, Rutgers is going to have to pursue quality big man in the portal, which again, will take some minutes away from Wolfolk. I don't think he's penciled in as the starter at center next year. So he's another candidate. Um, Oscar Palmquist, he, I know he came back after leaving the program in the transfer portal. Uh, he has another year of eligibility. It might be hard if you're a Rutgers coach that asked him to come back to have the talk with him again after the year. That's a bit of a delicate situation, I imagine. But again, he's a fifth-year senior, and he hasn't played at all, I believe, in the last three games. Very limited space for him as is. Next year, competition for spots will be even tighter. So I think, if again, if he wants to play, Another spot might have to do it. So those are the three guys I think. I think there's a chance of other people. Uh, I think it's a little early to speculate, but... Everybody's in the danger to transfer in 2024. I think that's 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 a safe thing to to get, and especially if what happened last spring, we know that that we, it knows that we know that who we're thinking of now is not the guy that you might lose. On the flip side, the priorities to keep in the portal 
or to keep from going to the portal. If you ask me, Moat Mag is the most important piece of the current roster. More than more than Jeremiah Williams, more than Cliff, anybody. Moat Mag. Jeremiah Williams? Yes, I think so. More than Cliff? You, could Mag, keep, you would keep Moat Mag before Cliff if you could pick one of the two. It's fascinating. If we're doing a draft of the current players that can come back next year, I am taking Moat Mag first. Wow. Huh. Without, without question. Really? He is their best on-ball defender, maybe the best on-ball defender in the Big Ten, which is something that they don't have guaranteed next year. And he erases so many things yeah. on that okay. end of the floor. And when you have guys that can create offensively and Dylan Harper and Ace Bailey, that's good. And that's all well and good. But you need a guy who can keep the defense at a high level on the other end. But Cliff, think, is the, Cliff is the best rim protector, one of the best rim protectors in the Big Ten. Sure. I, I don't disagree. Yeah. But I think the value of having an on-ball defender that can guard elite guards, elite wings. To me, I think he is the unsung hero. And I think if there's anybody on this roster you want to keep for next year and who, again, look, you know, it's, it's, it's been documented last year. There was a bit of a, a thought that maybe he would enter the portal. Obviously he didn't, but I think it was clear when he got hurt last year, how much they suffered without him and how much better they've been since he's been back, how much better he's been playing as of late. To me, that is priority number one, two, and three to make sure he gets back next year. And his inclusion increases the ceiling of next year's team to me just exponentially. I might wow. be alone here. I really feel this. I feel strongly so, about this. So give me the starting five then. As it stands, I would say Jeremiah Williams, Dylan Harper, both of them kind of exchanging on-ball point guard duties. Um, Watt Mag at the three. Um, Ace Bailey at the four. And a center to be declared, assuming Cliff Amore doesn't come back. There's also the possibility that they play some small ball, put Ace Bailey at the five, but I think you sacrifice a lot defensively with that. So there's a lot, a lot of tinkering to do, but I, I do think that assuming Watt Mag is back, the, the Jeremiah Williams, Dylan Harper, Watt Mag, Ace Bailey, and a transfer center are pretty much penciled in, I would say. Wow. Okay. The center is not on this team if Cliff leaves. I do not believe so. I, I just don't think Lathan Summerboat will be ready to start because it's very difficult to expect a freshman to start in the Big Ten, especially at the center position where you're playing, talk about grown men, you're playing seven feet tall grown men, right? Like, it's a hard spot to be in. I don't think Wolfolk is ready to make that jump. And I don't think Agbele, I know people have liked what they've seen from him so far. I've been more impressed the more I've seen from him. I just don't think he's anywhere close to being a guy that can play 25, 30 minutes in the Big Ten for you. Right. Good answers. Well, we got a long time to, to flesh that out. And there's still a lot of season left in this season. So, so who would you um, take in that draft? Non-curious. Cliff, I think. I mean, I, I don't know. You just don't. He, Cliff is more of a unicorn, and I get it. That, and I love what I saw. What Kevin Williams said about Mag, I completely understand, and it's close. Um, but you know, to have a to have a rim protector, to have and have someone who can guard big men in the Big Ten, I, I, I just think you got to go in that direction. I, I do, and I, I mean this, but it is, it is really a great, it is a great debate because you can make a case for any one of those guys. If you're making a case for Jeremiah Williams, I can understand that too, based on the way he's played, based on how this team looked without him. Uh, I certainly can understand that the team, the team wasn't good with Cliff. You know, it's the Saquon Barkley the team wasn't good with Saquon Barkley. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's it's a, it's a good debate, and you make it you make a compelling case from a lot. I will say that any of those three can be very strong arguments, and I think that. Look, Cliff would be a massive bonus, but I, I cannot emphasize enough. Like, Mwat Mag is an enormous part of this puzzle that I think if there's anybody that Rutgers fans should start doing an NIO drive to keep next year, I think he should be the face of that. 
500. Mawat saying the Helix is coming would be just as would be just as good. Uh, all right, a couple a couple more questions uh, off the basketball front. Baseball kicks off this weekend. Last year was a bit of a rebuilding year after a strong 2022 with a lot of starters returning this year. What are their expectations for the season and competing for the Big Ten championship again? Got any baseball intel for me? I don't, and I apologize to SID Griffin Whitmer, who will probably be very disappointed to hear this. I don't. I think they're at a point in a program where they should hope for a winning season in the Big Ten, have a bounce back year, compete to end that NCAA tournament drought. But if you're going to ask me for who the day one starter is or how the bats are looking, I'm not ready to answer that question just yet. I'm optimistic on baseball. Let's just say that. That's good. I'm optimistic on baseball. Woody, why are you optimistic on baseball? I don't know. Yeah, we don't know yet. We'll get back to you on baseball. Let's just, just give them a chance to go to Florida and do their thing, have a little spring training. Yeah, spring training in college South baseball. Carolina. Right? South Carolina. South Carolina? South Carolina? Where they go? Is it Rock Hill, up there? South Carolina. They have stopped the Miami really? series. They now go. Yeah. That's the one thing I do know. They are going to Rock Hill, South Carolina. Nice. Okay. And this is a Kevin Fine special question here. Uh, is this the year Rutgers football has the best chance to go get into the college football playoff of the 12 teams for the next five years? Go big or go home, K Fine says. Uh, that's great. I wish you had asked me this while I was in Vegas. I could have I could have asked for what the what a Rutgers future bet for the playoff would have been. That'd been a good one. Yeah, I don't know. Is this their best shot in the next five years? Let's let's take it that way. Like they're gonna have a very good team. Uh some teams are taking a step back. As opposed to you know, you know, are they will they be better off five years from now? It's a great question. I I I would think I would put it lower than the than the five percent of Rutgers getting to the NCAA tournament. Um, your thoughts? It's undoubtedly their best chance, right? Like you said, this is their look on paper their best team since joining the Big Ten. They're, it's their first year not playing any of the Big Three. Yep. Uh, the teams we thought were going to be really good, big challenges. Uh, Washington lost half of its roster. UCLA lost its head coach. For the offensive coordinator job at Ohio State, USC is in shambles. Uh, shambles. Maybe that's a bit much, but they're underperforming <laughs> the expectations of what Lincoln Riley had for them. They went like what nine and three. Those shambles. Yeah, what nine and three with Caleb Williams? Gosh, can you imagine Rutgers going nine and three with Caleb Williams? Like that would be a abject disaster. Um, what nine and three with anybody? Good nine and three with Brian Fonseca. They'd sign for it. Come on. If I was the Heisman winning quarterback, you think you want a little bit better than nine and three? Anyway. A little bit off the track here. My point is the schedule is is as light as it's been since joining the Big Ten. Uh, it looks lighter by the day with all these teams in, in so much like flux and turmoil. Rutgers is bringing back a lot of people. The ESPN SP Plus analytical look, has, they have the sixth most returning production from last year on the defensive side, and I believe eighth most overall. It's good to have a lot of your production yeah. back, especially defensively, which you were at your best, right? The passing attack did not look worse. Uh, they bring back... Yeah. The best rusher in the Big Ten? For this to happen, they've got to... What is the qualification for the Big Ten championship game next year? What are, what are the rules for that? I think you just have to have top two record. So is there is there a path somehow where Penn State loses a couple games and Michigan takes a step back and Rutgers is sitting there at a, a remarkable 11-1 and one and suddenly... I mean, that's that's how you get in. That's the, I think that's, that's, got, that's the only really path i see is somehow you're 11 and one listen to us here listen to us in february uh you're 11 and one and then then you have to beat ohio state in the big 10 championship game well you don't even have to beat them right because the the there's you'd at be in at 11 and one you'd be there's in at 11 and two there's what 12 spots right like so you'd be the second team in for the big 10 okay Second or you third, think? right? There's six at-large bids the big 10 and sec are gonna get three i just in. assumed i just assumed the s well uh, yeah okay look i'd have to look at that 
we're living in La La Land here, and we should. This really is fun. Follow- this is a good La La Land. La La La. We should follow the um, chop mantra and go one game at a time because this is we've gone from zero to a hundred thinking about Rutgers in the college football playoff. Um, so Rutgers would have to be the third best team in the Big Ten. Have the third best yeah. record. Third best record. Yeah. All right. It's not as. I mean, still freaking crazy. It's crazy. But, but man, the best chance that- in the next five years was the question. It wasn't the best chance ever oh. or the best next oh, five I mis- years. I misheard the question then. I misheard the question. That's tough to know because I don't know what the schedule is going to look like in the next five years. And I don't know how recruiting is going to work out. And I don't have a crystal ball. But there's a, there's a – I don't think it's impossible. If you juxtapose it with the past of having to literally run the table in the Big Ten while facing right. Ohio State, Penn State, yes. Michigan. That was impossible. This that was is a ha-ha crazy. funny. Right. Right. This is like, yeah. you know, if you close your eyes and dream about it and you wake up, you're like, that's not, you know, not the craziest dream I've ever had. Right. They, yeah. There, there's a scenario where they this in this dream that they're they're sitting there that set had somehow pulled a couple of upsets, sitting there at seven and oh, and then they then they come out and lose to uh who they play, like a Minnesota. I have the schedule in front of me. Lose to someone like, oh womp womp. Yeah. That would be very much. A lot has to go right. Put it that way. All right. Last question. Honorees. Here's a thought to ponder. Now that most of the greats from the 70s have been honored, who's next? Roy Hinson, Quincy Doobie, Ron Gio, and Caleb. Not a lot of impactful players since then. Who do they uh, put in the um, the ring of honor next year? I mean, Roy Hinson, that's a good one. Doobie's, I think, there you go. You answered your own question. If I were doing it, I would have a Dick Vitale night, as I wrote. Um, then you'd have, uh, you'd have, yeah, those two guys, I think, would have to be pretty high on the list. Yeah, I think they they nailed it pretty much. Uh, maybe Caleb McConnell uh, as a two time Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, Hamidi Njai, you know, Big East Ooh. Defensive Player of the Year. Wow, um, God about him. There's probably some like, you know, like, is a Ricky Shields that might be a bit. Uh, you know, he led him to the 04 NIT Championship game, right? Like, I, might be a bit of a stretch, but I'm yeah, sure Ricky Shields night is like 2028. Ah, Ricky Shields night, yeah. All right, bring back Ricky Shields. He was back, uh, I believe I read that he was back for the first time since then on really? uh, Saturday because it was Letterman's Day, um, Letter Winner's Day, I should say. Um, so, uh, look, w- no matter who they bring back, I think we, we've said this in the past. I think it's worth mentioning again that what Steve Peichel and the staff has done to kind of reconnect bridges with the past of the yes. program and kind of make them all feel welcomed is a very uh, noble and honorable endeavor. And uh, I think that they're going to keep doing it moving forward. And I think look, if you're going to ask me who the next guy should be, uh, for the sake of seniority, it should be a guy like Roy Hinson who did this 40 years ago and has owed his due um, for a while now. Yeah, give yeah, give Chris Corso behind the scenes. And I name people in the basketball program, uh, outside the basketball program, no, but a guy who really brainstormed that idea and, and, and put it into the motion um, deserves credit for that. Certainly, you know, I, I'm guessing he's got a short list in his back pocket and, and all those guys are on it. I'd be surprised if... Uh, if that wasn't the case, you do want to spread it out a little bit, though. I mean, if you're going to do this every year, you don't want to, you know, so. Well, there's no guarantee it will be every year. Right. That's true. Good point. It's kind of like on a case-by-case basis, and I'm sure yeah. they have a short list, but they will not let us know, and they will not let us know the criteria. It's kind of like a secret recipe they have there's in the no, vault. No criteria. Who needs criteria? All right. What else we got? Anything? Wrestling. I will fill in the wrestling update for Pat. They went to number one Penn State yesterday. Unsurprisingly got smoked. 35 to 3, but there was some controversy. Uh, apparently, they had the wrestling at a venue that they usually don't have it. It might be at the BJC, but I could be wrong. And Rutgers threw a challenge brick, and they were told there's yeah. no video replay capability. What? Which is obscene. 
Why do you have the brick? Why exactly? anybody can throw anybody can throw a brick. You're gonna have a you're gonna have a you know recourse when you throw the brick. And so I'm saying they gave him the brick, let him throw the brick, and they said, Oh, by the way, sorry, there's no challenge. And um I don't know the validity of the challenge. I I I can't tell you that, but I do know uh it's a bit absurd that the number one unquestioned greatest program in the sport does not have the capabilities of doing instant replay for a Big Ten meet. It feels a bit I don't know. It seems it seems not great. Do we know why it's a brick and not just a flag? Has, has Pat has hey Pat, why you're on paternity leave? I got an, I got an assignment for you. Make some phone calls there. Like just you're feeding as you're feeding EJ and the and rocking him and reading him a book. It's, it's wrestling, dude. They're they need they're a, a they need something. Yeah, they need something firmer than just a flag. You can't just you need a all right. I understand. That makes sense. Okay, that's good. Men's lacrosse stayed undefeated. Defeated Stony Brook on the road. Big win. Big win. Always good to win on the road. Never easy. You want to make a pick? Why don't you make a pick for the Northwestern game? What is the line? I don't know. Let me, I'm, let me... I'm not in Vegas anymore. Is, Boo, is Boo Booey playing? Boo Booey is playing. That's another. That's a good point. Boo Booey is playing, but Ty Berry, who's their best three-point shooter and who has played some 50 straight games, is likely out with a knee injury. Mm-hmm. Northwestern is not a deep team. So any absence they have, is crucial. They defeated Penn State, but can they win at Rutgers without him? It's a good question. Um, Chris Collins, who's who's one of my favorite guys in college basketball, still he still won the Big Ten season, in my opinion, for his reaction to uh, getting booted from the Purdue game. That was just epic. Whatever he had to pay, whatever the fine was, I, it was uh, Northwestern eight and five in the league, seventeen and seven, fourth tied for third place. Um, if Rutgers wins, they would move up to. I don't know. Everyone's six and seven. The entire league, everyone in the league, other than Purdue, essentially is six and seven, and Michigan three and. T- so I mean, yeah. So they move into a, a right in the middle of the league if they win. As of today, they are two games ahead of last place and two games behind fourth place Northwestern. If they wow. beat Northwestern, they go from potentially falling into uh, last place situation to earning a single buy in the Big Ten tournament and being in contention for the double buy. Gotta love this wacky, weird. Completely mediocre league the Big Ten has been this year. Um, to answer your question earlier, Ken Palm has Northwestern minus one. Wow. Okay. Toss it. There you go. I think it's tough for Northwestern to win a road game at Rutgers, which I expect to be a madhouse, without Ty Berry. I think Rutgers is going to want to avenge the loss last year on senior night. And as good as Boo Booey has been, I don't know if they have the horses. And I think Rutgers has, I don't know how much we believe in momentum, but Rutgers, whatever it is, Rutgers has it. Uh, so I'll I'll take Rutgers to cover plus one. Yeah, give me the give me the fifty eight percent they shot from threes, and I'm I'm there with you. I have no idea. I've lost. Obviously, I've got no feel for this team at this point. I think they've got. You would think this would be a game at the rack that they could. I don't know if you say should win, but yeah, I mean Northwestern is pretty good. They have the memory of last year in my head a little bit, but this is a different team. So who the heck knows? Either way, you and I'll be back to talk about it next week. Uh, at least there's some life here. There's some interesting things to talk about with this basketball team, which is which is certainly beats the alternative. So we'll be back uh, to talk some hoops. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Rutgers Rant. To participate in the conversation and receive live updates about the Scarlet Knights directly to your phone, sign up at nj.com slash insider.